as you can see, uh, I'm in my home because this is where God is moving. And this is where you are. And so this is where for the next few weeks that I want to be specifically to talk to you about or to preach about the value that we want to uh, dig into. So just like at your house, you may hear my dog or you may hear a door, uh, but we're just going to go for it. We're going to go for it with our whole hearts because, you know, when you and I look at the book of Acts, God has been moving in churches and synagogues and also in houses. Church, it's not an either or, it's a both and. But in this time, in this season, God is moving specifically from house to house. Once again, because the buildings are closed, but we as the church, we are still full active and full going. And so again, God's been moving in life groups, um, saving people and healing people and doing extraordinary things. And so we expect him to continue to do the same in our midst. And so before I talk about the value though, hands up in the chat this morning. So hands up, up, up. I want to let you know that on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we had 52, yes, 52 people said that they wanted to give their hearts and lives to Jesus. And so at Life Center this ministry year, that is now over 300 people who have committed and said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. So in spite of all these things, God is still moving in an extraordinary way. And so thank you for writing names on cards. Thank you for praying for people and then inviting them to join you at church. More, I guess said even better, thank you for letting us into your homes every single week to minister. And so we are so grateful for that. So a few weeks ago, I heard a, uh, an Irish pandemic expert uh, providing counterintuitive advice. His work was with the Ebola virus, but one of the things that he said was this, and I want to read it so I get it right. He said, uh, well, I'll paraphrase him, but in essence, when fighting a pandemic, he said this, speed always beats perfection. That in response, if you want to be perfect, and if you want to have the perfect plan or craft the perfect plan, you're going to lose to the virus every single time. You know, it's been a little over a month since I heard him articulate this advice, and I can't help but wonder if there was a prophetic undertone that just was under the surface of this advice, though, of course, his was specific to what he was being asked about, but I can't help but wonder if God was using him in a prophetic way because I can't get his advice out of my heart and out of my head. And here's why, is I can't help but wonder how many of us in our lives, how many of us have been paralyzed by this similar straitjacket of perfection You know, when it comes to sharing our faith, if I can't share it perfectly, then I'm just not going to share it at all. And if you look at the statistics of how many followers of Jesus in our day, in our time, actually share their faith, it is strikingly low. And I can't help but wonder, I can't help but wonder if we're trying to get everything so perfect that we're not engaging it. I can't help but wonder. Maybe it's in discipling our kids. You know, you as moms and dads at home, you're discipling your kids and your teens, and you may not feel qualified, and you may feel unqualified for the task, but I want to let you know that if you are following Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you are fully capable and qualified, that you don't need to be a teacher to disciple your kids. Use the gifts God has given you. But again, if you're struck in this straitjacket of perfection, I can't help but wonder, I just can't help but wonder, 
if that's actually tripping us up. The same thing with making a Jesus-sized difference. Again, same heart. So I do believe that there is an important shift. Everyone in the chat, just write the word shift and be careful as you write that word. But I can't help but just wonder if the value that we're going to talk about right now, it may seem counterintuitive to where it is that we're in, but I want you to stick with me when you hear it because I believe, and here's the value, I believe in this time and in this season that we need to recapture a heart of urgency, okay, of urgency. You know, when I read in Acts chapter 2, and I see that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin speaking in other tongues, which is in about 50 days from now, a little less than that is this day of Pentecost on the church calendar, but they are filled with the Holy Spirit. I see these imperfect people, they are marked by something significant, which is this heart of urgency that people need to know about this Jesus, but right now. You know, as Canadians, we are urgently looking forward to when this pandemic ends. Uh, When I'm looking at the numbers, like you, when I'm watching the news, when I'm watching the news of those who are infected and those who have passed away and those who've recovered, there is a sense of urgency because every number is a destiny. Every number represents someone who God loves and that absolutely loves with his whole heart. And I, and I can't help but feel this sense of urgency around, man, do they know the gospel? Do they know who Jesus is? Um, I do believe in heaven and I do believe in hell. I do believe in a God who loves us and I believe a God who is gracious and full of truth. And so there's this sense of urgency within my heart, even as I look at the numbers. It's interesting. Um, and again, I, I can see some of us are being paralyzed by panic of how to do it perfectly, but I believe God wants us to throw that off in this time and in this season. You know, a slight deviation, then we're going to get back on track here. But Angus Reed Paul asked, uh, when things get back to normal, what are you most looking forward to? So they asked Canadians, when things get back to normal, whenever that is, but what are you most looking forward to? And 45% just said simply this, hugging family and friends. That's it. Just hugging family and friends. 34% said just reconnecting with people face-to-face, just reconnecting with people. So 79% said just doing simple things. Simple things, again, that I may have taken for granted before, but now they're actually what I desire the most. And again, I, like each of you, have been struck how in in the face of adversity, our perspective changes. And so my question on this Sunday morning is, uh, what if, what if, We don't only get through this season, but what if you and I allow God to move through us and continue to move through us this season? Now, when you hear me say the word urgency, you know, you may be urgent just to hug a loved one or hug a friend or reconnect. You wouldn't say these, you wouldn't say it this way though. You wouldn't say, man, I am so anxious to hug somebody. I'm so anxious to, it is a different place. It's a, it's a place of urgency. So when you hear me say urgent, please do not hear anxiety. Do not hear panic. Don't hear stressed. Don't hear any of those things because anxiety is a thief, but urgency is a gift. Anxiety is a thief, but urgency is a gift. 
The scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, what a beautiful word, will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And so urgency, not anxiety, urgency is this gift that helps us to focus, that helps us to reprioritize, that helps us to value things that perhaps we took for granted, that now in this time and in this season, we really desire most to focus, to reprioritize, to do something even countercultural, which what Jesus is calling us to do. As we shared on Good Friday, Jesus invites us to live life from eternity backwards, not rushing through life, getting to the end of it, and hoping we did enough to earn salvation or goodness or whatever it happens to be. No, Jesus invites us to look at eternity and live our lives backwards. And so to do this, though, we need a specific type of urgency, daily allowing our priorities priorities to be reoriented by the Holy Spirit. So when we at Life Center talk about this value of urgency, here's what we are saying, that people need to know Jesus today, that we do things with a sense of urgency because every day, everybody in the chat, just write every day, just go for it, just, just to appease me, just go for it. Every day, people live and people leave and people die without knowing Jesus. And here's what we believe, that living lost one more day is one day too many. Now listen, we have no control over what other people do, nor would we ever want to, but we have power in Jesus' name to pray and to serve with our whole hearts so that people can see who our amazing God is. So to grow in urgency, there's a few things that Jesus said that we needed to embrace, both of which we have no choice in this season but to face. And the first is this. Jesus said that we needed to count the cost. We needed to count the cost. For a while, if you read the scriptures, Jesus and his disciples, his disciples were with him, but Jesus was doing everything. He was doing absolutely everything. But then there, so the disciples are watching and Jesus is doing everything. And that's an important stage of growth in our lives, just watching and modeling and looking and seeing it how people who know what to do are doing something. But then something happens. And again, the disciples mess up a lot. If you read the Gospels, they, they mess up a lot. Um, but they also do some things that are profound and they throw away this straitjacket of perfection. As the disciples mess up, Jesus keeps modeling and teaching and correcting, and then they just keep going. They don't have to get it perfect, but they just keep growing day by day. And I think that's really huge for us as followers of Christ. But there's this moment where in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, one of the disciples or someone in the crowd says to him this. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you, and here's the word, wherever. I will follow you wherever you go. He just just blurts it out, full of hope and passion and maybe wanting to change the world. And those are beautiful things to have. I'll follow you wherever you go. And I want you to watch how Jesus leads this moment because I think it's extraordinary for us in this moment. 
Jesus wants them to understand following him is not all miracles and majesty, that there's a cost that they have to consider and that there's a cost that they have to pay. And I love, this is what I love about Jesus. In following Jesus, in being a disciple, Jesus doesn't bury the fine print and hope that you find it one day. He's not worried about it. He puts it out right up front, all right? Because following Jesus, living with urgency, it will cost us comfort. It'll cost us comfort that oftentimes we can have calling or we can have comfort, but oftentimes those things collide. And here's what he says. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. To the one who said, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, it's going to cost us comfort. You know, a few few months ago, I was spending just personal time with the Lord and uh, just in prayer, part of prayer is talking to God. Another part of prayer is just listening. And I felt him whisper something to my heart that I just wrote down in my journal. And it was this, I felt him whisper to me these words and they were not words of condemnation, but they were beautiful words of conviction that actually spoke to my season of life. And they still do from time to time in this season. But this is what I felt him say, is you want me fully involved in your life, in every ounce of your life, as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a citizen, as a minister. You want me involved in every part of your life, and that's beautiful. But I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart, so you want me involved, but you don't want me to interfere. In other words, I want him fully involved, but I want to do everything on my schedule, in my timeline, when it works for me. And I felt this gentle challenge to, no, no, from from the Lord, just I felt this gentle challenge to live life with a different set of urgency, to allow him to interfere. Now, how many of you know that when God moves or asks us to do things, it's not an interference in our lives, but it does cost us something. And it does cost us comfort in a moment if he taps our shoulder in a store. Now, we can't do this now, but he asks us to smile at someone or under different circumstances to pray for someone or to reach out. Maybe in our context, he asks you to send a text or to ask somebody to forgive you. You're not comfortable in that moment, but he begins to interfere. Maybe you had an idea to do something in another day that he's going to tap you on the shoulder and go, no, I want you to begin to do that now. And so would you set aside maybe time for Netflix? Would you set aside these things? And would you study? Would you write that course? Would you take that step? Would you learn how to be a better disciple of your kids? Would you lean into it? Would you ask and engage others rather than just watching some other things? Following Jesus, living with this sense of urgency means that we allow him to interfere in our time, in our schedule, with our ambitions, with our goals, with everything that we set. It's not just that we want God to be involved in these things, it's that we want him to interfere. And again, the goal isn't perfection. We need to throw off the straitjacket of perfection anywhere, anytime we can, because it's not a help, it's a hindrance. We need to throw it off. But we throw off perfection, but we then we cloak ourselves in obedience. And again, even though we won't do that perfectly, it's not an excuse to not be growing in obedience in this season. You know, Jesus goes on in Luke chapter 9, verse 59 to 62, and he begins to tell the disciples listening different ways that they're going to have to count the cost. 
They're going to have to consider the cost. To another, he said, follow me. But then when Jesus said those words, he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, Lord, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in other words, the subtext of what Jesus is saying is there's always going to be something more pressing. There's always going to be a reason why we don't engage it. There's always going to be this place of complacency while we're always going to put off till tomorrow. I'm not ready. I don't know enough. I'm not mature enough. I'm, I'm not this. I'm not that. And, and I get all those things. But living with a heart of urgency, again, is saying, no, I may not be ready for the full step of the dream. No, I may not be ready for the end of the story, but I am ready to take another step. I am ready to trust you. I am ready to not just let you be involved in my life. I'm willing to let you interfere, to set the agenda. Because why? Because people need to know about Jesus today. And again, I'm not saying that you or I use spiritual gifts that you don't have. Use the gifts God has given you. If you're not a teacher, don't try to teach everybody, but you may have the gift of encouragement. You may have the gift of hospitality. Then use that with your whole heart, but use it intentionally. Don't keep it on the shelf. Use it every single day so that God may open up others' hearts and other doors for you to share the hope that you have, that I have, in Christ. And so again, following Jesus, living with this urgency, it will cost us comfort. Imperfectly, we have to let Jesus go beyond, again, being involved, to let him interfere with our time, with our schedule, with all of these things. But come on, in the natural, during this season, every single one of our lives have been interfered with. And why are we physically distancing? Why are we social distancing? Why are we doing these things? We are doing these things for love. We are doing these things so that those in our city, in our sphere of influence, would not contract a virus that can be damaging to them. We are paying cost in the natural church. We are paying a cost right now so that those who are vulnerable may not be impacted and affected. We are doing something in the natural that God also wants us to do in the spiritual. I know the natural is there's destructive nature of a virus and I get that, But every single one of us have a natural example of what it is to sacrifice, what it is to count the cost, what it is to prefer another in this season. We're living it out as Canadians every single day that we are staying distant and disconnected and physically distancing. We are living from this posture of love in the hopes that when we see the numbers, believing God that they're going to go the other way, believing that every single one of our lives in doing this, it makes a difference, that this cost isn't mindless, that it matters to a grandmother or a grandmother or a grandfather, somebody with asthma. And these are not numbers. These are people in our lives that we love, that are co Workers, that our family and that our friends. That's why we're doing what we're doing. The cost that many of us are paying for some of you, the cost has been a job. And I know that is painful and it is so significant. But if it has saved lives, 
That's the grander vision. That's the heart and the vision. So again, in the natural, if we can see this, can we not also see, God, can you interrupt my life and my schedule? And even as things, whenever they get back to normal or in this season, would you use my life for a grander vision so that others may not just have earthly health, but they can be eternally saved? God, can you use my life for a revival? Jesus said very clearly, the harvest is ripe. It is always a labor problem. So in this season, may God call all of our hearts and all of our lives. So why not let Jesus use this season of discomfort, the season where we're understanding what it is to you know, count the cost, but also to live into a grander vision of God. May I also be willing to count a cost for others to know you, for others to be encouraged, for you to use my life, maybe not even just with those who don't know you, but those who do know you, so they can be loved, exhorted, comforted, encouraged. Can you help me as a parent disciple my kids? Can you help me as a man better love my wife? As a wife, can you help me to love my husband? Um, If I'm single, God, how can you use my life in this season to make a Jesus-sized difference. And the final thing I want to say on this Sunday today, one final thought is we live in a world of spiritual conflict. You know, as a culture for the last little while, we have been so, so, so fixated on genuineness and authenticity. And I think that's been so important. Nobody wants anybody living fake or hypocritical. In particular, within the church, you want to practice what we preach. And we have really valued authenticity. We have really valued it. But I sense a shift in my heart, birthed in this season, but I feel like it's been coming for the last little while. That's not that we throw away authenticity. No, 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 no. We keep authenticity, but God is also looking for men and women who live into and out of a spirit of authority. Not just authenticity, but authority. If I have a little rant moment here, here here's what I'd say. I'm really tired. I am really tired of spiritual leaders getting up and only being authentic. I'm really tired of it. I'm tired of them getting up and saying, hey, me just kind of like you, like, hey, I don't know how to read my Bible or hey, me just like you, I don't know how to pray. There's this thing welling up with me, not from condemnation and not from better than and not to shame, but there's this space and this urgency that's rising up in my spirit, even for spiritual leaders and pastors to go, it's not just about being authentic, honestly, and it's not about being perfect, throw that off, but it is about having authority. In other words, if you're a pastor and you're struggling with how to read your Bible, figure it out, all right? Do a devotion, dig in, allow God to grow you, to stretch you, to push you beyond that. Why? So that you can love and lead others to a new place of authority. The same thing with prayer, the same thing with generosity, the same thing with all of these things in our lives. And again, not to compare and be better than, and not from a spirit of condemnation or shame, and nor from a spirit of comparison. No, 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 no. But it really is. We're living in a time where authority matters. We're looking to our political leaders, to our leaders in our world right now for not just authenticity. I don't know what to do. We're looking for authority. We're looking for clarity, not authoritarianism, not control, not manipulation, not unhealthy, but Holy Spirit-driven authority that I know the way. I know who God is. I know what it is to break through. I know what it is to be there, and I know what it is to break through in that area 
this. So follow me as I'm following Jesus. Try these steps. Watch and model. Hey, this is what I do. Follow it. Lean into it. Not only a place of authenticity, which again is just like, hey, I'm struggling with that too. I love authenticity. I value it. But I believe we're in a prophetic season where church, we've got to hold authenticity. And with a spirit of urgency, we've also got to step in with authority because we have to be transformed. We have to be of a different substance. We can't be the same substance of the world in which we live and then say, live into a different narrative, live into a different pattern. So again, that's just a little rant moment for me. And so again, people, people, people need Jesus today. So we're living with this sense of urgency because every day people live and they leave and they die without knowing Jesus. And so living lost one more day is one day too many. You know, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11 is the final scripture I want to share today. And it says this, and it says, they conquered him, our spiritual enemy, by the blood of the lamb. So everything that Jesus has done for us, not that we can boast, it's all about Jesus. And then it says, by the word of their testimony, right? For they loved not their lives unto death. So we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, which is the story of what God has done in our lives using the gifts that God has given us, right? And then the scripture says, and then, and then, they loved not their own lives even unto death. So in other words, they were willing to count the cost, to live with a sense of urgency, And so here's my challenge to everyone today. Today, we are inviting you to do exactly what we just said. We are inviting you to share your story with us in one of two ways. Here's one way we want you to share your story with us. In under 500 words, we want you to share your story. What is share your story? I'll explain that in just two seconds. But in under 500 words, and then we want you to send a picture of yourself that maybe we could use on social media if you give us permission. Or... We want you to videotape, video your videotape. What is it? What is it? 1997? (laughs) We want you to video uh, your story in under 60 seconds. And when I say your story, this is what I mean, okay? It's longer than 60 seconds. We can't use it. You got to edit. We can't use it if it's longer than 60 seconds. Here's all we want to know in your story, short and sweet. What did Jesus save you from? And what has he saved you for? So when you're written... Or you're recording. What did Jesus save you from? And what has he saved you for? Think about those things. Write and send us a picture or 60 seconds. What did Jesus save you from? And what has he saved you for? Church, it is time to not only be authentic, but to live with an authority that God has given us. It is time to not be anxious or fearful, but to live from a place of urgency. May Jesus bless you.